It is Thursday, January 26th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to episode two of our Dynasty Trade Desk series. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me again are Jared Smola and C.H. Herms. And we hit QBs last time around. Today, the focus shifts to running backs. And as we focus on this long-term format that is Dynasty, Jared, we're hitting the position today with the, shel- with the shortest <laughs> shelf life. What does that mean? It means I found myself wanting to sell half the guys on the list. Um, I, I feel like we're at a point, too, where – and you probably say this most years, but we're definitely in a turnover phase at running back. I feel like a lot of the – Guys who have been perennial RB1s for us for the past, you know, three, four, five years. Those are the kind of guys that, to me, are aging out. And I think now's a good offseason to, to, you know, flip some of those guys for some younger players, draft picks, whatever it might be. Yeah, Herms, this seems like a position where everybody can find players that they want to sell. Maybe it's a little bit more difficult to buy guys. and Maybe all of that kind of works together to turn some players that might seem like sells into buys. What do you... I guess in general, what's your kind of approach to running back? And then is there anything different heading into this offseason from even just, you know, the past year or two? Yeah, I mean, I've really had to learn to let go of my love for overdrafting running backs when it comes to uh, Dynasty, because I come from more of a redraft background, so I was definitely used to just like, oh, yeah, you just take a bunch of running backs early, it'll be super good. But then, you know, as you enter like year three, year four of your Dynasty leagues, you realize it's like, oh, God. Oh, what am I going to do with these guys? Oh, my God. Oh, it's, you know, you really have to just readjust and pivot in your own head. So I've definitely become more of a wide receiver guy as far as that stuff goes. The RB stuff is tricky. It really is. And I'm glad we're talking about it today. Yeah. And we're going to get two specific guys on the buy and sell side. Jared, why don't you hit us with the first player that you are buying, which I'm guessing is quite different than how you would have treated him not that long ago. Yeah, I'm buying Cam Akers. Um who has had an eventful year and a half. I mean, it started with the Achilles tear in July of 2020. He you know, missed most of that 2021, sorry, 2021 Achilles tear. Missed most of that season. Did come back for the regular season finale. Came back and played in the playoffs. Was bad. 2.6 yards per carry over those playoffs, which, you know, not a surprise. He came off an injury that usually takes guys a year plus to recover from. He returns in six months or whatever it was. Um, then had just a weird... 2022 I mean there were points of this past season where it seemed like he was totally done with the Rams organization comes back though for the final six games over that span averages 17.3 carries per game 85 rushing yards per game one touchdown per game 4.9 yards per carry Akers was RB4 in PPR points over the final six games of this past season and was efficient and effective too you look at 44 qualifying running backs over that final six week stretch. He was third among those 44 in PFFs rushing grade eighth among those 44 in missed tackles forced per attempt. He was 10th among the 44 in PFFs elusive rating. So to me, it sure looks like he's regained at least something close to pre-injury form. And, you know, this was a guy that we liked before that Achilles injury Um, 52nd overall pick of the 2020 NFL draft ran for nearly 3000 yards across his three seasons at Florida state also caught 69 passes over those three seasons. So came into the league with what looked like, you know, a potential three down skill set tested as an 88th percentile athlete. So really had a nice prospect profile. He still turns just 24 this coming June. 
he's younger than Travis Etienne. He's younger than DeAndre Swift, younger than J.K. Dobbins. He Akers came into the league as a young prospect. So I think there's a lot going for him now that it looks like that Achilles injury is behind him, is entering a contract year in 2023. So, you know, we'll kind of see what the future holds for him beyond that season, whether it's with the Rams or elsewhere. But um, at an RB21 ADP in January startups, RB24 on keep trade cut. I think Akers is a strong buy who, you know, could give you at least high, higher end RB2 production, potential RB1 production for the next, you know, couple of seasons. And of course, what we have liked about him before and maybe something to still like about him is that the Rams generally lean on a lead running back. Now, a lot of that Sean McVay time has been Todd Gurley. You know, then there were... Switches among running backs when Cam Akers was in and out of the lineup. Daryl Henderson's been hurt when running. But overall, I would say it seems like Sean McVay prefers to lean on one running back. And it's been that way with Akers. I mean, you go you go back before the Achilles injury, they were leaning on him. They leaned on him in the playoffs two years ago, despite the fact that he came off that Achilles injury. Then, you know, that wasn't the case early this past season. But again, over those final six games, like he got – workhorse usage he was playing you know 70 80 percent of the snaps getting 20 or so opportunities per game so um it always seemed seemed like Sean McVay really liked Cam Akers I don't know what happened you know in the middle of this past season to you know cause them to almost separate it seemed like but um again by the end of the year it looked like they were they were back on the same page hey we've all had fights with somebody that we love right and you're like (laughs) man I don't know this seems like it's really going bad and then a week later you're like all right I guess I still love you (laughs) yeah I was ready to divorce you last night Matt (laughs) Uh, i'll make sure that that comes about again herms who are you buying on the running back front it's it's a speculative buy there's no guarantee this is going to be a super good one but i really like the idea of buying james cook now last we saw this bill's offense it did not it did not look super great so you gotta you gotta get that gotta get that out of your head you gotta wipe that memory a little bit we're talking about one of the nfl's top offenses and like they have a lot that they have to figure out in terms of you know secondary receivers and stuff and whatnot but in a vacuum like they have a lot figured out it's a josh allen led offense they're going to get into the red zone a lot and look devin singletary is about to hit free agency there's no guarantee that they're going to invest in him and bring him back and even if the bills continue to go with this headache approach of having like a committee of a few guys. And then even when they get into the red zone, Josh Allen's the red zone running back, quote unquote, we don't know how good the bills running back could possibly be from a fantasy standpoint, unless they make certain changes or whatever, but we know it's pretty good to the point where you can get quality RB two production, sometimes flirting into the RB ones. If they find the end zone and stuff, we saw Devin Singletary do plenty of that this past year and even the year before. So we're talking about a young running back related to one of <laughs> the other really good running backs in the league with Dalvin Cook's brother. Come on. <laughs> you know, it's a fun bonus. Anytime you can invest in a guy who is, I think he's RB 23 in the DLF ADP. I think it's the same in keep trade cut. Like he's the running back for the bills. Like I, that's the, honestly, that's my biggest thing. I don't have a lot of numbers because there weren't a ton of games in which James Cook had, you know, into double digit touches this year, but it's just, it's the Bills running back. Come on. Plus, one of the things we're kind of still waiting to see is what it even means to be the Bills running back. Because the way that they handled this offseason, it seemed like they were trying to bring in a pass catcher at running back. 
Then they drafted James Cook. You think, oh, there's the guy. Then they traded for Naheem Hines. And you're like, oh, maybe that's the guy until James Cook is ready. Nobody was the guy catching passes as a running back. Now, do the Bills change that for 2023? Does it continue that way? We don't know. And, of course, this is probably a good spot to give the caveat of when we're talking dynasty trades, it's not go get this guy no matter what it takes, right? You're saying go see how much it costs to get James Cook. And if it's a reasonable price – grab him because it's an upside spot yeah i mean you definitely shouldn't be over aggressive with this for a lot of the reasons that you know we've already talked about like it is speculative there's no guarantee that it's going to be anything tremendous we're not saying like oh yeah this dude because he's on the bills is gonna mean top five and like you know we don't know that but if it doesn't cost you that much you might as you got to send out offers anyway you know if you're gonna try to be you know effective in your dynasty leagues you you gotta be shooting out offers all the time anyway just see just see. And Jared, this isn't the first time we've talked about James Cook as a potential dynasty buyer, right? Yeah, I, I I go back and forth with James Cook. I like the player. I thought every time he touched the ball this season, he looked explosive. You look at the final numbers, he averaged over five yards per carry. He was up over eight yards per catch. Um, to me, it looked like the Bills, at least most explosive back all year. Um, I still wonder what the ultimate upside is because he is a smaller back. He was never a workhorse in college. The, the Bills GM, Brandon Bean, basically when they drafted Cook, called him i think he i think he used the term sub package back you know meaning more of that pass catching change of pace guy so i do i do wonder if you ever get rb1 level upside from james cook but you don't need to get that and you're buying him at he's actually rb27 in dlf adp so i have no issue at all if you're you know buying him as a you know rb3 level running back prospect yeah i would say don't buy him hoping that you have next year's RB nine. I mean, mm-hmm. if he does get there, awesome. And we've seen guys take unconventional paths to get to places like that, but I would not buy him with that kind of expectation. So now I'm going to go in the opposite direction. We talked about <laughs> age being a plus for these past two guys. It is not a plus for James Connor. And anybody who listens to the podcast regularly is like, Matt, shut up already. The season's <laughs> over. You can stop talking about James Connor. That is exactly why I'm talking about James Connor here. So the first point He is RB 33 on keep trade cut right now. And again, if anybody's unfamiliar with keep trade cut, it's, it's basically crowdsourced dynasty rankings. You go on and before you do anything, you have to make selections among the players and then it shows the results of everybody's selections. So James Connor is deep in RB three territory, even though he's still got a contract at least through this coming season and currently through the following season where we'll see if he becomes a cap casualty, but at the very least starting one more year. So As RB33 in those rankings, he's behind Antonio Gibson, Khalil Herbert, Isaiah Pacheco, and James Cook, who we already talked about. He's well behind Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, if you want to talk about guys with some age. James Conner was in the same draft class as Kamara, as Dalvin Cook, as Joe Mixon, and as Aaron Jones. He's younger than Derrick Henry. And if we look beyond birth certificate age, I think we got to consider NFL age here. James Conner has seen fewer carries than all those guys that I mentioned from that previous draft class, 118 fewer than Aaron Jones, 155 fewer than Josh Jacobs in two more seasons than Jacobs has played, 218 fewer carries than Alvin Kamara, 293 fewer carries than Nick Chubb in one more season, 365 fewer than Dalvin Cook, 397 fewer than Joe Mixon, and 833 fewer NFL carries than Derrick Henry for James Conner. So 
if you think James Conner is done producing, you should also think that all those guys are pretty close to done producing. According to the keep trade cut rankings, you can also get Conner for a late second round rookie pick this year, a mid second round rookie pick in 2024, even potentially a second round pick in 2025. I think those are all easy unless you just don't need a running back for this year. I would also be more than willing to get James Conner in exchange for Khalil Herbert, Isaiah Pacheco, James Cook, and you might even be able to get more than Conner in those trades. Now, the final argument is, you know, he's old. He gets hurt a lot. There's probably not a whole lot left. He was still a productive runner this year. He wasn't just a guy making it on volume. 23rd yards after contact per attempt in 2022. Not an eye-popping number, but it was ahead of Dalvin Cook. It was ahead of Travis Etienne. It was ahead of Isaiah Pacheco, ahead of A.J. Dillon, ahead of Najee Harris, ahead of Miles Sanders, well ahead of Joe Mixon. So again, that's yards after contact per attempt. So what he got beyond what was blocked for him, that was the lowest rate for James Conner among the five seasons that Pro Football Reference has tracked that particular stat. So you might look at that and say, oh, it's a sign of decline. James Conner is also coming off the highest PFF rushing grade of his career. His elusive rating was right in line with the previous three seasons, mid-pack at the position. His elusive rating was better than Christian McCaffrey's, Saquon Barkley's, and Miles Sanders. So, guys, I'm not saying James Conner has lots of productive years left. I'm saying nobody else is going to want James Conner, so you should want James Conner. I think it's it's fair. I would not go out acquiring him thinking he's a multi-year asset. But I do like what you said about his, his contract basically ties him to the Cardinals as their at least their lead back, if not their feature back this coming season. Now, what's the Cardinals offense going to look like? And I think we, we have concerns there. But if, a, if a, we, we know if a back's getting 15 plus touches per game, he's going to be useful in fantasy. So I think it's a specific window I'd need to be in to go out and acquire James Conner. But if I'm a team that I think is is one running back away from winning a title in 2023, I do think James Conner is a guy who can give you RB2 level production, at least for this coming season. And even if you could just make him a throw in in a larger deal, even better. I love James Conner so much. I do. <laughs> I do. Steelers fan. We established that in the last episode. He's also from the same part of Pennsylvania where my parents are from. So I adore the guy. You know, the biggest thing that I would just say about him when thinking about whether or not it's a good idea or not. He is one of the few running backs that had a snap share in his backfield north of 70%. So even if we just do say, oh, well, maybe they could bring somebody back into the mix to lighten the load a little bit, like, yeah, sure, but he's still got plenty of work to concede and still be productive. And with how much of his production comes from within the red zone, like that's part of his player archetype. It's part of his build. He's a big dude that can easily punch it in when they get in close. No matter what, that's probably not going to change unless for some reason they go out and invest in a James Conner clone to run in tandem with James Conner, which would be kind of a weird thing to do. I would say if you hear all that and you're like, yeah, but he gets hurt all the time. All right. Running backs get hurt all the time. (laughs) If he stays healthy, when he is healthy, he'll produce for you. Jared, let's switch to the sell side now. And what do you got? Yeah, I think it's time to at least consider cashing in your Austin Eckler chips. Um, Obviously coming off a a huge season, his best fantasy season, he was Eckler was RB one in PPR points and PPR points per game by a wide margin. He was RB one in half PPR. He was RB two in non PPR. And really he still Eckler still fared pretty well in the underlying metrics. He was 13th among 42 qualifying running backs in PFF rushing grade third in PFF receiving grade. So this isn't a running back that's like hit the wall yet, which 
I think is a, a reason to sell him now because you can kind of use that as a selling point. Look at this guy was still a high end NFL running back last year and was awesome in fantasy. So I think you can still get a lot for him. Eckler's RB seven in the dynasty league football, January ADP is RB nine on keep trade cut. So, I mean, the arguments against him, I do think he's a regression candidate heading into 2023. Like I don't want to switch too much to redraft, but he's going to be a guy I'm probably going to be fading in 2023 redrafts. Um, 127 targets for Eckler. This past season, fifth most by any running back since targets started getting tracked in 1992. Um, 7.5 targets per game. That that was up nearly at one target per game from what he had seen the previous three seasons. So obviously, he's always been a high volume guy in the passing game, but this this past season was kind of absurd. And I think it was in large part because you had Keenan Allen miss seven games and most of two others with injuries. You had Mike Williams miss four games and most of two others with injuries. So he actually at least benefited at least some from the wide receiver injuries, feeding him more volume in the passing game. Also scored 18 touchdowns. That's going to be a tough number to repeat. We have a new offensive coordinator coming in uh, for the Chargers. Don't know who it's going to be yet, but you know we'll see if that kind of rearranges the target distribution there. So for one, I just think, you're not going to get the same level of production in 2023 from Eckler as you did this past year. And then thinking longer term, he turns 28 in May. And you can argue that he's a, a back that hasn't taken as many hits as others his age, which is probably true because he doesn't have you know huge carry totals on his resume. He does a lot of work in the passing game that tends to invite fewer hits than it does, you know, carrying, carrying up the middle. But still, I mean, how many backs do we see that they're 30 years old and they're still highly productive in fantasy. Like we, we just don't see that regardless of what type of running back you are. So, you know, I think you're probably getting one more season of like high end production from Eckler, but I have definite concerns about his long-term viability. Again, trading him now, maybe you're getting out a year too early, maybe trading him next off season is timing it perfectly, but I would much rather just take the risk that, you know, Maybe I miss one more year of top 10 level production, but I don't want to be holding the bag if, you know, Eckler starts to decline this, this next off season and he, you know, can return much less in the trade. Yeah. I'll say one other mark in his favor is he's, you know, long been recognized for his training, like weight training, his fitness stuff. He's well set up physically to be somebody that bucks the trend of running back production, but as a general practice, you don't want to be betting on the one guy to buck the trend because more yeah. often than not, you're going to be wrong about that. And to the point of getting out one year early rather than one year too late, Jared, we're going to be posting our kind of overall dynasty philosophies at some point early this offseason. And one of those is to not be afraid to move somebody a year too early as opposed to mm-hmm. waiting a year too long. And Herm's kind of the point of that is, yeah, maybe you miss a good 2023, but the other side is if you wait too long, then you end up with an asset that you can't move for anything. Exactly. And I always use the the metaphor of just like, you don't want to be the person holding the hot potato. You know, if there's an asset that you know is hot, like throw it to someone else, throw it to, you know, you don't want to run the risk of having your hands get burnt by something just because it seems like a good idea. The Eckler case is honestly just the perfect example of all of this. Everything that the both of you have said is he's the poster child for this argument. Now, you don't want to throw that hot potato in the garbage because if nobody's willing That's to true. pay you a strong <laughs> asset for it, then you butter that baby up and have it with your dinner. But that's, I mean, you know, it's a goofy analogy, but that that's kind of the point. We're not saying get rid of Eckler for whatever because that's when you regret that he has the productive 2023. But 
the reason you don't regret it if he's still productive is you traded him for something good. That's kind of the point of trading somebody before he falls off. So you've still got stuff on your roster, even if we watch Austin Eckler have another, you know, 16, 18 touchdown season. Absolutely. And going back to how, to how, how good a shape Eckler is in, is he really in better shape than all these other running backs or does he, yes. just, he just show up more on, on social media? I mean, <laughs> these guys are all beasts. I, I mean, they're all beasts, but he's a beast among beasts on that front. It's him, it's Nick Chubb, and it's everybody else, I think. Him, Nick Chubb, and Derrick Henry. And, I mean, you know, to that point, Derrick Henry, I mentioned, 833 more carries yeah. than James Conner. Like, Derrick Henry has spent the past couple of years going against what we thought was about to happen. Like, he's bound to fall off now. Nope, he's a freak. So, yeah, sometimes betting on a freak works out. Uh, I do think Austin Eckler's a freak, but, yeah. again – Betting on somebody just, to be the guy that bucks a trend is not normally going to be the way to go. I think he just posts more videos of him squatting than, than your average running back. <laughs> I, we need to finish this up so I can go do a squatting <laughs> video. I'm sure people are waiting to see that. I don't have any of the one-arm pull-ups, though. I don't think that's ever going to be in my repertoire. <laughs> more of a low All right, Rimsy, who are you selling? Okay, so I was looking at you know the ADP and the keep trade cut thing, and I noticed that you can get – an early 2023 first for Kenneth Walker right now. And I, I got to be honest, man, I think that might not be the worst idea in the world because he is at RB2 overall in their value and also in the DLF ADP startup. And like, not to say that Kenneth Walker isn't good. I mean, he's about to enter his age 23 season. He only had 59.5% of the Seahawks carries last year and turned that into RB17 in point per game production. So, like, that's pretty solid. And that really good stretch that he had from week five to week 12, he was averaging 19 points per game and absolutely killing it. Like, that's the type of dude that we really want to look for in terms of just like, wow, young, dominant running back doing a bunch of cool stuff. And he did that despite the Seahawks O-line ranking 30th in adjusted line yards. Shout out football outsiders. Woohoo. So, like, that's great. Why on earth would you want to, you know, get rid of somebody like that? Well, you want to get rid of somebody like that because he had a target share of 7.1%, like 35 targets passing, like in the passing attack total, under 200 receiving yards, all sorts. We're talking about a guy that's closer to like a Nick Chubb archetype. You know, when we... A lot of us play in half PPR or full PPR leagues and to value a player like that with no guarantee of just magically inheriting a bunch of receiving work, it's ludicrous for him to be priced as the RB2 overall. I love the guy. I think, you know, if you don't get any sort of ridiculous, you know, deal back for him, you don't have to trade him. It's He's still going to be a valuable asset, but cashing out now before Bijan Robinson comes into the league before Jameer Gibbs and all these guys. As soon as this rookie class turns professional and they get added to these rankings, Walker is immediately going to lose value. So, like, you just have to think about from the perspective of where we are in the turnover of the talent cycle and how weird it is that a player like that is pushed up so high with the type of production that he brings to the table. Not saying he's bad, but it's just, it's very very odd for him to be astronomically high on this list yeah it's all about value jared and that's what we're gauging here is not just players who's going to fall off next year who's going to rise next year but how they're valued in the market and if you can trade a good or very good player for great uh return then you know that's a good way to build your team 
Well, I think the Nick Chubb comparison is perfect. I think Walker is an awesome runner, maybe not quite Nick Chubb level, but I think he's an awesome runner who's going to be productive on the ground for a long time. But I mean, we had, we had receiving questions on him coming into the NFL and it was, it was never, Oh, can, can Kenneth Walker catch a football? We, we know he can catch a football. It's, is he good enough in the passing game where a team's going to, you know, weaponize him there and make him a guy who can catch 50 or 60 passes in a season. And, you know, it's only one year, but I didn't see enough from him in the passing game where I think that's most likely. So, no, at, at the level he's at, the margins are thin. Again, I don't think Walker's going to bust. I think he's going to be at least a lower-end RB1 for the next four, five, six years. But, you know, like Herm said, he, he's being valued as one of these elite difference makers. And, you know, nowadays to be that in fantasy football, you need to be catching – 40, 50 passes a season at least. And uh, I'm just not sure that's the most likely outcome for, for Ken Walker. Speaking of the market, you know who has seen his value change quite a bit over the past six months is Josh Jacobs, one of the main stories of 2022. I mean, six months ago, you couldn't sell this guy for anything of real value in dynasty. He was in the bottom of RB2 territory or lower, even in redraft, let alone dynasty depending on where you were looking now he's rb8 on keep trade cut he's rb10 on dlf if you go into some early 2023 drafting he's going at the end of round one early in round two i mean that's just a drastic shift in the way people are looking at josh jacobs i think it's similar to debo samuel last year where we were coming off this season where he was amazing he was better than everybody predicted that he would be but then everybody started drafting him at the end of round one. You're like, oh, wait a second. I think you guys are overrating this a little bit. So Josh Jacobs has the questions of potentially changing teams. He's going to become a free agent in March. Even if he sticks around with the Raiders, though, it's highly unlikely that he gets the same number of touches. He had 404 opportunities <laughs> this past season, 340 carries, 64 targets. The targets matched his number from the previous season. The carries were 67 more than he'd had in any other season. Now, Playing 17 games helps, of course, but he's just not likely to get back to that number. If we look back, there have been 57 total running back seasons of 400 plus opportunities since targets began to be counted in 1992. We have had nobody do that twice since Arian Foster in 2012. We have had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 running backs ever reach 400 opportunities in more than one season. So he's just not likely to get back to that level. And he can certainly be productive without getting back to 400. But, you know, that drop-off is the point where he's probably not going to be as highly valued at any other point the rest of his career as he is right now, is my guess, Jared. Yeah, the NFL is a tough business. The The Raiders did not give Jacobs that fifth-year option. Then they proceeded to just run him into the ground. You, you guys remember DeMarco Murray? Yeah. He had that he had that 392 carry season with the Cowboys in 2014. That was his final year of, of his rookie deal. Um, went to the Eagles the following year, 193 carries for 700 yards, six touchdowns, averaged 3.6 yards per carry. Just wasn't the same player after that 390 carry season with the Cowboys. Um, I, I fear Jacobs is kind of heading down a, a similar path. Although to be fair, DeMarco Murray did then go on to Tennessee and help suppress Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Herms, what are you doing with Josh Jacobs? So I pulled this stat a while ago, so I, I haven't checked on it since. So this is as current as December 27th. But I, I looked and I saw Josh Jacobs never had an opportunity share greater than 70% prior to this past season. And it spiked all the way up to 
84.2%, like first among running backs and just absolutely killing it at high volume. Now, I think December 20th, there might have been like another game tacked on there. So maybe that percentage is slightly, but either way, like the point being, it was just a massive shift for him to just like absolutely, you know, have all of those carries on top of the fact that, you know, his targets, you know, maintained from 2021 into this past season as well. So we're just risking him losing work to anybody. It's one of the same things that I had just mentioned about uh, James Conner a little bit. You know, running backs, a lot of running backs these days anyway, don't really get these dominant snap shares where they're out there on like over 70% of their teams. Like it's the league is full of committees at this point. Josh Jacobs, like he's got some room to lose a little bit of the 77.1% snap share he had last year, but like the best thing that could possibly happen for him probably for fantasy purposes would be going back to the Raiders, but there's really no guarantee that's going to end up happening. So I'm just not as comfortable with the risk of him moving on being somewhere else. And then him just reverting back to the type of player that he was before where it's just like, okay, you're going to be out there a lot, but we're also just going to have this other guy that's out there and annoying him out of the time. And then we're going to go back to feeling the way that we used to feel about Josh Jacobs. So, you know, like I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Letting go. I get that. He's still a little bit young. I get that, you know, he's probably going to get a bunch of money, but I'm, I'm not doing it. I can't. The other hidden part of getting that many opportunities in a season is you were fortunate enough to stay healthy the entire season and running back aren't generally that fortunate, you know, year after year, where even if he gets to this level again, there's a solid chance that he misses some time next year, skips a year in between. We just saw it with Derrick Henry. He had his huge season. Then he broke a foot midway through the following year. Then he was back up. Jonathan Taylor had the huge 2021 he hurt the ankle this year. You know, nobody's saying Jonathan Taylor is crashing. It's just that there's some luck to staying healthy when you're getting hit that many times in a football game. And Jacobs was someone that we all, you know, some people called injury prone heading into last season, right? Like, it's just funny how, how the narrative shifts on these guys so quickly. Exactly. So watch for those drastic changes. And even if you don't want to move Josh Jacobs, it's the kind of, you know, pattern that you can look for with other guys as you're looking at your team, deciding who to go after elsewhere, who you might want to move. We're going to have a buy, sell, hold report coming out on DraftSharks.com next week. We've also got two more of these shows. We're going to hit wide receivers. We're going to hit tight ends. We did already do quarterbacks. Um, you could find that episode on DraftSharks.com now or wherever you like to consume your podcasts. While you're on your favorite podcast platform, we would greatly appreciate any like, follow, subscribe, review, a celebratory milkshake, whatever the appropriate manner of showing that you like what we're doing is every little bit of that helps us as we try to help you guys win fantasy football championships. So for Smola, for Herms, and for the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 